Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, Anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you uh, when you get the Anchor app, and it's so much easier to navigate. Even their online website at Anchor.fm is very efficient, and you can do a lot of great things with it. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are proud to select from the U.S. program, Jack Hughes. Nope. Hold on a sec. Let, let me try and get Cam in via copy link. Okay. I hold on, Cam. We got we got you. Yeah, I'm just text. I'm just texting. Okay. He's, he's... Yeah, I'm open. <laughs> it should be easy, like hitting Mike Rupp in uh, open ice. Yeah, yeah, you you sent it to me. Yeah, yeah, you sent it to me twice. Yeah, yeah. Jesus, I I'm gonna just send it to uh, that dual uh, account. There it is. There it is. Cab is back. What's up? What up, dudes? What up, dudes? Hey, hey, Cam, we want to start off the show by welcoming you on. You've done so many great things for the Devils and the Blues, even the Nottingham Panthers in a short amount of time. Uh, please tell us how it all started for you when uh, you started in Windsor. Well, really, I started in you know Eureka, Missouri, not knowing much about hockey at all, except for the St. Louis Blues. You know, no one ever made it before me. And then, you know, so you didn't know really around the NHL much, but you knew the Blues, and the Blues were unbelievable in the early 90s, and they were exciting, and they were cool, and they had sexy players, and they had badass boys. And <laughs> so I got into it, man. And, you know, then I got into hockey, and it kind of went really quick. I just – I was an athlete, and I figured it out, and I was crazy. And I was very aggressive, and I just got better and better, and played AAA hockey, got noticed, then got drafted by Windsor – and had to move up to Canada. So, so what, 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 was what was that, that experience like, like for, for you up, up in Windsor, Windsor coming, coming from, from the United, United States? States. Oh, unbelievable. Like, I had to put it this way. So, I never, you know, I, I went to Canada because we always had to go up there to play games because the competition was up there and no one wanted to come down here and play us. 
So right when I got to Windsor, you know, I got drafted there. And so I went to the draft. So I was kind of a little bit familiar with the town. Um, but I had to live with a billet family for the first time. I played for the St. Louis Sting a year before that, Junior A, uh, in St. Louis. So I got to live with my parents still. And so up there, I had to stay with an 85-year-old couple. And I'm this 17-year-old kid with piss and vinegar in my system. You know, we're <laughs> fucking becoming popular real quick. Can I cuss on here, by the way? Are we good? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? Like, we, um, you know, it was just a, it was such a culture shock. And uh, they uh, they had a tough time juggling things. I'll tell you that in that household. But uh, it was a, it was an experience nonetheless. <laughs> you you definitely kept a lot of people feeling young, and you still do it to this day, even on your current podcast. Can you tell us what it was like being interviewed slash drafted by Lula Morello in your draft year? Oh my god, dude! We um, so I, I had to go to, and this is again everything happened quick. And I'm a kid from Eureka, Missouri. I didn't grow up with hockey buddies, really. I mean, the kids on my team were cool, and I talk, I hung out with them, but my buddies didn't play. Like, so it just wasn't that cool. I didn't know anything. All right, I mean, seriously, didn't know a damn thing. But I knew I was getting drafted because I had an agent at the time. We went up to uh, Toronto. I met with like 20 teams, but the first team at six o'clock in the morning was the Devils. And I walk in there and lose there with a couple other big boys. And they're staring at me. And I'm like, oh, my God, six in the morning, you know. And uh, he asked me who I replicated my game with. And I go, oh, uh, you know, just try to be funny. Like, oh, Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky mixed together. <laughs> and they're like, and they kind of <laughs> laughed, but they didn't laugh. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. So I'm like, uh, you know what, I, I tied Omi because, I'm, you know, I'm not a big guy. And Lou looks at me and goes, we don't like Ty Domi. And I didn't realize like six months ago, Domi in the playoffs elbowed Scott Niedermeyer. Oh, and knocked yeah. Him out. yeah. So That's I was like, double whammy. For. Oh, double whammy, dude. That was a double whammy for me. But no, he understood my humor and my passion. And uh, I'm so glad they drafted me. They are, Lou was the best thing for my career and my after career too, learning how he just dealt with people and business. I love that man. So, so with, with the, the you know we you know, hear, we hear all, all the stories, stories and, 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 and things, things like that. Like that. What what impressed, impressed you so much, much uh, with Lou. with Lou? Um, his his honesty and his demeanor and just his his um, just the way he ran things. Everything you just knew what to do. Okay, I knew what the fuck to do. And I needed to impress him and I wanted to impress him. And I knew if I just did the right thing, you know, tuck, untuck my jersey, make sure I'm clean shaved. Like it was just the best thing for me. Start making money. You get a little bit of popularity. People want a piece of you. Of course, I like the party. So he just, it just, I, it was again, the perfect situation, the way he presented himself in the locker room. He was the first one there every single day. Everything's professional. You know, he's a winner. And very, very intimidating. And uh, he doesn't put up with any shit. And it just, it just worked. And, it, and it's something, again, that I just needed at the beginning of my career. And so, Cam, you talk about the no-nonsense attitude. And you being <coughs> a player that took no-nonsense or BS from opponents game in, game out. Um, who was the one player you got into a lot of battles with that you absolutely hated but you are best friends with today? Well, I don't, uh, I mean, there's a couple guys I didn't like during, at the time, like, um, you know, I hated playing against Steve Ott, but I love the guy because he was with me in Windsor. 
Um, you know, Ben Eager was tough to deal with because he played for Chicago when I was playing with uh, St. Louis. We went at it, and you know, he was he was getting more ice time, and it just you know, it just he 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 knew his role, and he was good at pissing me off. Um, but I really <laughs> didn't hate anybody. You know what? There's one guy that I just so it, when you're playing and you're doing the role I'm doing, there's o- there's always a time when you're playing different players. They always give you that like wink, like, "Hey, I know we're battling, but fucking respect, buddy." The yeah, one yeah. guy I never really got that from was Sean Avery. Now he, even if I came up to him on the dot and I'd be like, "What's up? What's up, motherfucker? How you doing?" You know, he'd be like, "Go fuck yourself, you fucking loser!" And I'm like, "Jesus, all right, I might, I'm gonna kill you." You know, um, he was the one guy I didn't get a, a, a just get that vibe from. Like, hey, respect, respect. But then I had him on my podcast, and he was cool as shit. So it's just, it's just one of those things, man. Like, it, when you're in the fucking heat of the moment, there, some guys are just you know die hard from the get-go and they don't they don't they don't let loose with even a wink and that was sean avery and that's, uh, that's cool. cool i was gonna say tell us a player on chicago a player in philadelphia and the player in the rangers that you still can't to this day dude i get along with everybody man i don't hold <laughs> fucking grudges dude i don't hold you know i'm surprised people don't hold a couple grudges against me for some of the things that i did um, but they know that I was passionate and I wasn't dirty, but I hit guys dirty here and there, but I'm not going to slash you in the face or any of that shit, step on you or any of that. Like, I'm going to hit you and it might be a little late. It might be a little late. Uh, or my elbow might be up a little bit here and there, but, um, but no, I don't hate anybody. I don't think anybody hates me either, to be honest with you, except for my wife once in a while, but other than that, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just, uh, I, I did, it's, it's not like that with me, man. I don't hold grudges. That's, that's, that's cool. awesome. I mean, I mean you know, you know, going, going back, back just a little, little bit to your, to your first, first uh, training, uh, training camp, camp with, the, with devils. the Devils. Just tell, just tell everybody, everybody what, what was that, that was, like. was like. Well, let's see. Oh, very intimidating. Again, you're walking into like a military structure. And I, I use that term loosely because military is military. Okay. Like you're still playing hockey. Let's be honest. But Lou had everything. Like you just, you come in, you better be on time. Like I always made sure I was there before everybody. Even if I went out all damn night, I'd go right to the rink and make sure Lou saw me before everybody there doing my shit, working out, doing this, doing that. Um, But when you walk in the locker room after playing juniors and you're bigger and stronger and, you know, you're walking around in juniors with your shirt off and you're bigger than everybody else and you're a man and this and that. But then once you go in that fucking NHL locker room and you see Scotty Stevens walking around with no shirt on. You see these fucking monsters cruising around that fucking knock guys out and did Christoph Oliwa and Jay Pandolfo. He doesn't have an ounce of fat on him. You're like, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just another dude now. If not, I'm on the bottom of a fucking total pole, to be honest with you. You better up your game. And these guys are working out every single day. I was working out probably harder than anybody else in juniors. I remember going to Detroit at like 6 in the morning. Detroit. Hardcore Detroit. The box with the heavy hitting motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, dude, I did. Fucking so, A, I did. So, Cam, it, it, it makes me always think you always have the heart and soul of a devil and a blue in both, you know, careers. And you just happen to have that. They give us no respect the Rodney Dangerfield way. Did you feel any of that in your attitude where it just made you strive? a little bit more and fight a little bit better, especially you played Pierre-Luc Latourneau LeBlanc. Well, what do you mean? I didn't respect thing. What are you like, talking about? Like, for instance, the media from, like, you know, MSG to anyone in Toronto, like, not giving the Devils enough coverage. 
where we don't get enough respect for being successful in the past and the present. Who, dude, dude, listen, that's where Lou came, comes in. You think he gives a fuck about no, that no, shit? No, okay. You think Marty Bredor gives a fuck when he's got three fucking Stanley Cups? Like, I don't give a fuck if you talk about us or not. We are killing everybody. We're a fucking dynasty. I don't give a shit if you could talk about Toronto all you want. They haven't went past the first round in 20 fucking years. Who's not talking about us? Then don't talk about us. All we do is fucking win. That was the attitude, dude. We were loaded with talent. Just got off. You know, you won in 2000. Then you won in 2003. I get it there in 2002 in my first training camp. I walk in that locker room. The confidence level in that with everybody was through the fucking roof. No one even thought about that bullshit. They're like, do, do you want to talk about who the fuck you want? We're going to probably win another Stanley Cup. And they, and they did. did. <laughs> well, they didn't do that. Well, they, we went to the, you know, in 12, we went far. But, yeah, like, my point, yeah, they did. In 2002, I went in there. The next year, they win a cup. Like, I'm just telling you, the, the, the confidence was through the roof. And, again, they don't – you think those guys gave a fuck who Toronto was talking about, people, media in Toronto? Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you, you, you can, can see, see it, like, like throughout, throughout as, as a Devils, Devils fan, fan and, and then and through the media, media and everything, everything the, the Devils, Devils are always the, un- the underdog, and, and it doesn't, doesn't matter if the media, media talks them, them about, about them, them or not, they're, they're going to win. win. That was a mindset, yeah, dude, and it's all that matters. Like, Lou didn't even, like, Lou's mindset, again, was we don't need to put you on billboards, we don't need to pump you up and... You know, the St. Louis Blues at the time when I went there, they just, they just, they marketed us so much. They didn't do that with, with, Lou didn't believe in that. He didn't care. Like, if you win, the fans are going to come. If you have the right structure, they're going to come. And if you do this the right thing, nothing else matters but winning. Winning's everything. It's everything to him. And it, and that mindset just stuck with you, man. And you're like, fuck, all right, let's just go do it. And, and it's just, that's again why I say I'm so glad I was drafted by that organization. And so it always seems, you know, you just had that let's go out there and win attitude. Now, you went out there, you got a big slap shot goal um, from, I believe it was John Madden in 2006, 2007 against the Capitals. What was going through your mind that night at Continental? Dude, I, I blacked out. My mom and dad were there, man. My mom and dad were, were able to see my first NHL game because they were up in uh, – up watching me in, in Albany and I got called up the next day and then they see my first goal. Then they see my first game with the blue. Like they just, it just all worked out. But that night I got a stupid ass tripping call, which I never fucking do. And when you're a fourth line guy like me and you get a tripping call, I think it was in the offensive zone too. You're probably not playing the rest of the night. So I'm in the penalty box, like fuck everything. And I get out there. Marty sit, Marty makes an unbelievable save on Dana Zubris. Then Jay Pandolfo blocks a shot and it kicks it up to me wide. Alexander Ovechkin could have back-checked a little harder and he would have <laughs> fucking ruined my dreams there, and he didn't. The Alexander Ovechkin nowadays would have came back and fucking put me on my ass. Back then, he was only kind of that one-way player a little bit where he didn't want to get back. He was still he didn't understand the game as much as he does now, and it's, it's kind of funny watching him kind of half-ass it, and I rip a top shelf. I didn't know what the fuck to do. I, I blacked out, dude. It is what it is. But it's I, unreal, though. I was watching that highlight right there. You put a lot of zip on that. It just riz like like a rising fastball and softball. It just it was a laser. The only goal I actually shot the puck to score. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything else was like a tip in off my ass and shit. So I'm glad I at least have one of those under my belt. 
And, and you, you still, still have that, that puck? puck? Oh, hell yeah, dude. Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Nice. I've given away a lot of shit, though, dude. <laughs> like, when I was playing up there, man, all my buddies back home, like, fuck, I'm like, okay, I'll everything I've ever gotten that was really cool, big jersey signed by all the guys and stuff. I come home, it's like Santa Claus in April and, and May when you come home, I fucking hook up all the boys. We used to be sponsored by Hugo Boss, you know, and just got all this cool NHLPA Hugo Boss shit. I gave it all away. And then years later, I'm like, fuck, why'd I do that? Why the hell did I do that? But it's cool. I like being Santa Claus, man. It was cool. And t- tell us about um, the whole thing in St. Louis um, with Layla Anderson and uh, you bringing home Patty Maroon when he came back from New Jersey. Can you tell us about that interesting season? Oh, my God. Are you kidding, dude? You know, I almost died last summer because of it. We were partying so freaking hard, man. Like, it was – it just was – it just – the city needed it, man. And, you know, I remember talking to Patty, trying to make the decision to, to come here a couple years ago. And I said, look, dude, this is going to – you know, it's worth, it's worth playing in your hometown. You get the exposure. You get, it sets you up for after hockey – People in St. Louis don't really know too many people outside of who their their home team is. You know, they love the Blues. They love the Cardinals. And I'm not saying they don't know everybody else, but if you don't play for the Blues and you're a hockey player in the NHL, you could be a fucking superstar. And you come back, people probably aren't going to know you. So I'm saying, like, for leverage and, and doing shit out of ho- uh, outside of hockey, it was the best thing for Patty. And, of course, he scores the most important goal in Blues history. And But I'm telling you this, man. I talked to him on a regular basis. He was going through a tough time. There was a time where all the guys in December that year were so fucking bad and they were talented and they spent up to the cap and the ownership group spent up to the cap and they were going to trade superstars and Patty was going to get, I mean, shit was going down. And then all of a sudden they turn it around, they get Jordan Bennington, everything laid in place. And it just was a fucking, one of the most memorable seasons in, in my opinion, NHL history. Yeah, that was really cool season. Uh, good for the Blues. I mean, great organization, top to bottom. Uh, going into this season for the Blues, did you see them having a chance to repeat? Oh, God, yeah, dude. Are you kidding me? Fucking, are you kidding? <laughs> They're fucking unbelievable. Without Vladdy, too. Think about it. They were without Vladdy all year long still. They went through a couple bumps and bruises there with different injuries and kind of slides here and there. But they were, dude, they're fucking battle ready, dude. Those guys know how to win now. And they're just deep and our defense are deep. And every time we bring somebody up, they play well. And all these guys like Oscar Sunquist, who we got for Ryan Reeves, is so fucking good. He's such a warrior. Craig Berube makes you, like, he doesn't force it in him. He just tells you what he wants. And these guys are just adapting to be, they're molding themselves into be fucking warriors. Oscar Sundquist, I don't think was like that. I, uh, Sammy Blay, I don't think was a killer. Like he's killing guys right now. But they just know their role. Everybody does it right, and they fucking probably would have repeated. They would have came close, man. You never know, but they would have came close if they would have stayed healthy. That's for damn sure. Well, I'll tell you this: um, if the season had it been suspended because of all the coronavirus, would uh, Tarasenko have been been back by now? Oh God, yeah, dude, he's ready to go. He's ready to go. He might have been. He might have been able to be back. Well, what? What? God, what date is it today? What? What, is, what date is it? It We're is April? Wednesday, Cam. Yeah, April eighth. Oh yeah, he would have been back. Well, he would have been ready. The playoffs would have started today. Yeah, so he would have probably been held out until the playoffs, in my opinion. I just think that that would have been the case, just to give him that extra rest. Um, 
but imagine that. Like, that's the biggest – like, that's your best player coming back. And maybe he would have been a little stru- – struggled a little bit to get his timing down off the bat. But look at his supporting cast he's playing with. They're going to make you better. And Vladdy's fucking – this is probably the healthiest Vladdy's ever been. Dude, he was so banged up going into the playoffs last year, man. I tr- just – I can't even get into it. Trust me. If you saw what his fucking elbow looked like, you'd be like, there's no way he's going to fucking play. And he goes out there and does his shit. Trust me on that. Wow. That's crazy. Oh, my God, dude. So, you – to have a lot of really good big body defensemen and forwards like um, Gunnarsson is one of those really good players. Pareko is just one of those blessed talents on the defense along with Petrangelo. Uh, if you were still playing today, uh, do you think your game would be a little bit more uh, a grinder type? Well, here's the thing with me. Like I didn't make the NHL because I was a fighter. I made it because I was very tough and good at fighting, but I hit guys. If I wasn't able to, able to hit guys consistently and, and be able to get on the four check and skate, then I, I wouldn't have been in the league for, you know, you know, 10 years. I would have probably came up, fought a couple, and then got sent down. But I was able to hit guys consistently, so I was able to, like, make an impact here and there. Um, but you know what? I, there's a lot of things I do differently. Um, would I be okay in the NHL now? I don't know, man. I'd probably get a lot of penalties. I'd have to adjust my game. But as far as the speed – aspect of it yeah i'd be able to keep up because i was able to skate that's the only way i was staying in the league because i was able to fucking skate fast and 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 crush guys and kind of scare them a little bit so they gave the puck away well you also that's have cool. a lot of stamina and physicality um what do you think of guys like miles wood and uh other players on the st louis blues and the new jersey devils that are big and physical in today's game well you, you can still hit in today's game man look at the playoffs last year the Blues are crushing teams, dude. And, yeah, a couple guys got dinged for suspensions, but they let they let you play. Hitting is still fucking so prevalent in this game right now. I can't explain that to you, man. It separates you so much. If you if you know how to hit and you're skilled, fighting, yeah, it's not kind of like – it's good to be able to be the intimidating. Like, if I hit you and you cross-check me, I'll piss-pump you. But it does not – it's not relevant as much as it used to be. But the hitting is, and that's good. You want guys to be able to hit guys. You want to be physical. You want to be able to get in and fucking separate. Nothing boring, more boring than watching a hockey game where no one's fucking hitting anybody. You're like, what is going on here? Like a pillow fight. No one wants that. Hitting is still, uh, you know, a huge part of today's game, especially in the playoffs, man. The Blues fucking murdered San Jose. They hurt four of their top players in one period. Four of their top players because of physicality. That's what set them over the edge, dude. That fourth line alone was hitting everybody oh. during the playoffs. Oh, that was such a great fourth line. Murdering guys, dude. I remember Sammy Blay one time. I'm doing the post game right with Bobby Pleger in St. Louis, and uh, we're going into the third period. I'm, we're talking, and, and like they're missing four guys. I'm like, are they sitting them out? No, 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 no. They all got hurt. And I remember one time Sammy Blay hit Eric Carlson so hard. They showed a replay so motion. His head, his head hit the dash or so, and it was a clean hit, but his head hit. I mean, you, you, every time you get hit like that, it sets you back big time. You get rocked like that, it sets you back. Now you're a little slower with your passes. Now you're a little more hesitant going back with the puck. Now you're thinking just, you're just off a little bit. And that they just kept pounding and pounding and pounding. And man, that's the fucking recipe right there. And it worked. You got to have that with skill and discipline. And they fucking did it, dude. 
So, Cam, back about that 2011-2012 team, you had Adam Oates as the power play coach. Um, you had him on your last podcast episode. You were talking about player development, about everyone's a little bit different and learns differently. Uh, can you explain about um, the kids in St. Louis, especially the ones in the recent drafts who have benefited from the St. Louis hockey development? Oh, dude, well, like Oatsy and Holly – are the ones that got all of my generation into it. You know what I mean? And then, like, I'd go watch Brett Hall, and you're like, who the fuck is this long-haired mullet, handsome-ass dude scoring 86? Like, what? Like, who the fuck? And then all of a sudden, you go out there, and Twister and Chaser are piss-pumping guys on the ice, and you're like, what? What? what?" I'm like, like, I remember my dad taking me to games. I'm like, why is he beating? Wow, why are they doing? Wow, this is so fast. Then my dad would take me to a Cardinal game, no offense, I love the Cardinals, but baseball game. And I'm like, uh, what, what do I do? Okay, I'm bored. But hockey, I'm just like, what? And then Tony Twist would, I mean, honestly, ragdoll somebody so bad, then take his fucking jersey off in the penalty box and, like, flex for the – and all the women in the stands are like uh, – I'm like, oh, my God, this is unbelievable. So I, that's how we all got into hockey. Holly, Oates, Twist, all, Chase, all those guys. And then we started making it. We started making it, and all of a sudden now all these kids are starting to play, starting to play, and then the Blues win the Cup, and now everybody in this fucking town wants to play hockey, man. That's, That's great. great. I, I mean, mean, and then, then look, look at, at it with the, the, uh, the All-Star game, game in St. Louis, Louis this year. That, that had to have been an experience, too. Oh, All-Star game, Winter Classic, Stanley Cup, another Winter Classic with Minnesota coming up here. Yeah, dude. You got to give, uh, I, we, you know, people boo Gary Bettman, but people in St. Louis now are probably like, fucking right, man. Thanks for hooking us up. I, Absolutely. I was just talking with Jim yesterday about <clears throat> the ups and the downs about Gary Bettman and how he's missed out on um, on the Atlanta Thrashers now, Winnipeg Jets 2.0. Um, but it seems with the way that the Vegas Golden Knights are playing physical out in the West, what do you think of – uh, the Blues, when they play the Las Vegas Golden Knights compared to other big-body, fast teams that you see in the Central and Western divisions? How oh, the Blues give everybody trouble, man. They're just, like, they just, they're just hard to deal with. Everybody's, always, everybody's smart on that team. You know? There's nobody like reckless abandon, although they are physical. They're just very disciplined. They know what to do. Everybody has their own job. And Craig Berube and Otter and all those guys on the coaching staff just implement that into their minds and their souls. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to play for you. We, I'm, I, I love, I trust you. I believe in you. You're my boss. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. And that's a hard thing to get, even on the NHL level. Everybody's on the same page. There's not one big superstar on the team that just like, you know, it's like everybody's kind of, you know, we got guys making money, but there's just, every, it's a team. It's hard to explain. But yeah, when they play anybody, dude, they fucking wear you down. They'll block a shot. Bennington will fucking make an unbelievable save and he'll wink at you and maybe like slashing the back of the legs. Like they just, they just drive you fucking nuts. So not an easy team to play against, man. Veterans, fast, big, tough, mean, disciplined, good goaltending. And sounds, sounds a, lot a lot like, like the New Jersey, Jersey Devils, Devils of yesterday. yesterday. No shit. Yes. Think about that, dude. How about, think about that, dude. I was going to say, Cam, do you remember the days when you, had Steve Bernier, Carter, and uh, Gianta on that fourth line in uh, the 2012 oh, yeah. playoffs. Can you tell us about that opening scoring drive against the Rangers for 
Game six of the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, fuck, man. Oh, let me think about that for a second. I, I, I mean, my memory's got awful. I know – well, look, I'll just let, – let me, let me help you with that. That team was awesome. We had a little piece of everything, right, all year long. You had a superstar in Ilya Kovalchuk. You still got Patty, Eliash. You had Marty still playing great. You had Schneider as a backup, I believe. Then you got some grit with David Clarkson. Then we picked up, like, Ponikarovsky. Remember that? Like, the big – Yes, uh, yeah. Remember him? Toronto. Fuck yeah. And then Sakura came back. Then you had Bernier and Gianta figuring it out. Then we had Zidlicki on D. Our D weren't the best, like, L.A.'s, but – but we were just disciplined. Again, Pete DeBoer, another disciplined coach. And we found a way to squeak through. But then we faced the fucking Kings, dude. And they were the eighth seed. And they found their game late in the season, just like the Blues did last year. And they were so goddamn good. And they blocked every shot. And Jonathan Quick came to his own. And they, their centermen won every fucking draw. It was the most painful thing to watch, watching the Devils and uh, from the from – the, press box with Eric Bolton looking down, watching these guys just smother us for six games, man. It sucks. I was going to say, I remember you and Eric Bolton being on that team together. And also the two of you would also be the big physical guys that would stand up. Colchucks, the Parise's. And I was there also for um, when Parise was in his last home Devils game. And what did it mean for you to be in your last uh one of your last playoff games. Yeah, I mean, how uh, was my last playoff game? I, gosh, I don't even, Oh, maybe it was with – I think my last playoff game was with the Blues, to be honest with you. But just watching and being part of the team was great, man. Like, you know what I had to do? And I'll give you a little funny story. So, you know, Eric Bolton and I, they both didn't need to keep us all year long. We were so skilled, but they kept two tough guys on that team because we were both great in the locker room. I mean, we were – we were like fucking sideshows in the locker room, keeping everybody happy. It's a long year. So Pete DeBoer and Lou made me during the playoffs go, not playing by the way, but go into the locker room before games, right before they went to the fucking ice and give a funny pump up speech. And I had to be so creative with, it was the most intimidating thing I've ever done in my life. Sometimes the guys would laugh and be hilarious. Sometimes they wouldn't even fucking look at me and it was god awful. <laughs> but the whole thing is like, it's kind of embarrassing. But I'm like, Lou wanted me to be the last person to say something to the guys before they went on the ice. That means a lot. And that's, that's really, really you, know, you know, guys, guys like, like that, that, need that especially, especially during, during a run. run. You know, I you know, compare, I compare it, to it to like when the Yankees, Yankees were going, going through their, their World, World Series, Series run, run or, or they made, they made it to the ALCS, ALCS but, you know, Todd Frazier's there. there. He's, He's one, one of those guys you want in the locker room. Ken's always one of those guys you want in the locker room. I remember a story I'm walking out of practice drink playing. I forget what I was doing. But I see you drive up, sign autographs for the fans. And I, and I remember somebody, somebody handed, handed you a Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts uh, bag, bag to, sign. to sign. And you're like, and you're like what? No, no Tim, Tim Hortons? Hortons? Come, Come on. on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Timmy Holmes, <laughs> I baby. love Timmy Holmes. I, I'm a, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a Canadian, man, because I lived up there. And I, I fucking – I even say A all the time still. And I'm from Eureka, Missouri, you know. <laughs> People are like, like, what are you saying? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm Canadian, baby. Those guys let me go up there and hang out, beat up their tough guys, go to their school, do their shit, pay me money. They fuck. I love Canadians, dude. They embraced me when I went up there, man. Just like I love Jersey. Dan, I, Dan, I love people from New Jersey. Dude, I met so many people up there. My wife and I, we meet, we have we have so many friends from Jersey. They were so, the fans were so unreal. Uh, the people over there are proud. Kate and I were going to go up there before all this shit went down and go fucking 
eat some good food at our old watering holes and shit like meet up with some people, some old alumni from the devils, man, we love it, dude. Dude, you, you talk, you talk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking uh, speaking of, which, of which, talk about those walls. Can you tell us about, uh, time you were eating out veterans? Oh fuck. Dude. Are you kidding me? We'd go out for sushi at 12 o'clock. You know, this was like back in like 05, 06, you know, and they're still like old school cats on the team. And we go to fucking sushi for three hours. Then we go somewhere else. Then all the older guys would have to go home to their families. And then all the young guys would go out till three in the morning. So it was like a 12 hour shift. But that was old school days, man. Um, but yeah, dude, just eating out three times, of, you know, three times a day for every meal because there's everything's so good. You know, like from a bagel shop to a steakhouse to a seafood place, man. I think I spent so much money. <laughs> on food up there is just fucking crazy. Did, did you any pregame routines? Like, did you listen to a certain playlist of music? Did you have like metal? Oh yeah, oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah, damn right. Oh god, yeah. I I needed to get jacked. <laughs> you kidding me? <laughs> Fuck. I needed. Who does? Well, some people. No, 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 no. There's a lot of people that don't, dude. There's some guys out there that just like Adam Oates doesn't need to be jacked up before a game. Brett Hall doesn't need to be jacked up. He needs to be have his mind in the right place so he can get open. I need to be jacked up so I can go fight a guy six foot six and be physical and be crazy and this and that. I mean, I, I was I'm like that anyway, but it's nice to listen to some Pantera cruising into you know the stadium and getting warmed up that way. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, speaking, uh, speaking of, of your fans, fans from New Jersey, Jersey I had a couple, couple uh, Instagram people following me, telling me, uh, uh, telling, telling them that, that I was having, having you on the podcast today, today. and they just, and they just said, said hi to you. To you. They, they just wish, wish you all the best. best. And, I, and I had a question here uh, from one of my Instagram followers asking you, what was your toughest fight? Man, dude. Um, You know what? I'll tell you this. I've never gotten knocked out in a fight. And I'm glad I, I went through my whole career, probably over like 450 fights without getting buckled, which is good. Now I got caught hardcore, but I was pretty, pretty good at knowing how to do my thing with it. Um, actually, the only time I got knocked out was by my own teammate running into me in fucking 2010. My, my wife's first game with her family there, choking on my goddamn tongue. Anyway, uh, toughest fight. Let's see. Dude, there's a lot, man. Everybody's tough, dude. Um, I, I, I mean, you know, you know, I, Damn, that's a tough one, man. Cold Nora was always tough to deal with. Like, there's some guys that I just struggled with. Like, even Paul Bissonette, that fuck. I fucking struggle with him. <laughs> like, Biz, I'm like, I don't know why I couldn't fucking fight you well. Like, I, I, we couldn't put a show on. I couldn't get going with him. Um, but, but then McGratton, I'm like, let's fucking do it. Big Brian McGratton, I go, let's go. I'll go two, I'll go three minutes with you, baby. Let's do this. Like, so it's a different guys were, it's just, it's all, they're all different. Everybody has their skill. Some guys are better with other guys. Like, I was good with McGratton, but I wasn't good with Biz or Orzy. But I was good with Aaron Ashton, but I wasn't good with Bolton. I don't know. It's just fucking weird, yeah, man. Yeah. It's weird. I just want to bring up Paul Bissonette for a little moment. You you had him on your podcast. I know he's done really well with Spitting Chicklets. Uh, what is one of the things about Paul Bissonette back then in your younger days and junior uh, that kind of evolved over time with your playing career in the NHL. Well, he he beat me up in junior for summer. I, he was a captain of uh, Sarnia. No, no, Saginaw. And I was running through everybody, beating the shit out of everybody. And all of a sudden, I fought him. He kind of caught me one. I'm like, whoa. But at the time, I didn't know how 
this guy's a genius, just so you know. Paul Bissonette is a fucking genius. Yeah, he might slur his words sometimes. Maybe his vocabulary is not where it needs to be, just like mine. This guy is a business genius. And he started when he was young, and he built this empire up, dude. He's the one that set up everything. With Spittin' Chicklets, he comes on, he does everything. He's nonstop, 100% businessman. And he's a fucking smart man. And people chirp him for like this and that. Dude, that guy, he's making so much money. He's making more money than he did when he fucking played. And everywhere he goes, he's a rock star. But he works his ass off, dude. So, yeah, his his hockey career, fine. It's his business career that makes me look at him like, damn right, man. I need to see what you're doing and uh, do my own thing with it, my own spin on shit. But he's, uh, he's paving the path for everybody outside of hockey that kind of – we have the same kind of personality, like pretty raw. And, you know, like he fucking – he did it, man. And, uh, and he's a good friend of mine, man. He really is. He pumps my shit up. And he helps us out. And we, uh, I, anytime they have me on spitting chickles, so I bring the heat for them. So I help them. I was going to say, in that's, Asbury that's Park, good. New Jersey, Bonstry Bar has the uh, the pink Whitney uh, vodka drink with pink lemonade in it. Have you had a sip of that yet? Yeah, it gives me a headache. I, I, look, it's good stuff. I have some right. I'm staring at some right now in my office. I just, I like wine and beer. and But I get how you can put a couple pieces of ice cube uh, in that sitting on a dock, looking over some water and sipping it. I think I had Whitney on a couple of days ago too, by the way. And uh, I, I, I don't know if he answered the question, but I'm like, can you retire right now and just make money off that shit? Like how cool is that to have your own drink making money? You're not doing much, but like posting on social media and uh, you know, and he drinks the shit out of it too. Trust Would me. an agent and be like, Hey, I want this. Am like special, like you know, like a like a jelly type thing. It'd be like your favorite, you know, flavors, etc. Would you ever do that? A yeah, jelly, like canned jam. About? Oh yeah, no, no, no. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Goddamn right. I have my own beer out in St. Louis. Um, Tell us about it. Oh, nice, yeah. oh, nice. Well, uh, Darren Kimball, Kelly Chase, and myself have a uh, a beer with O'Fallon Brewery. It's really cool, man. It, they give us a ton of it, and we, it's, uh, mine's like a wheat beer, roundhouse, Jansen, roundhouse. It's just really cool. I like, uh, but yeah, no, I would do any of that shit. Of course, you don't want to over, over market yourself with shit. Don't get me wrong. Like, you can only, you, like, especially with social media, I hate when people just flood it with like advertising. Like, you just gotta, you gotta pick and choose when you do it. You can't flood the market with that because no one's gonna take it serious and they don't wanna see it. Um, but yeah, damn right. Cam Jam, of course, set it up for me. I was do this. I was going to say, like, Absolutely. Absolutely. there's always someone on LinkedIn that probably has, like, a way of doing it. Imagine if someone, like, uh, what was it, New Amsterdam Vodka did that. I mean, that would be an interesting thing to do that. You, If you set it up, we'll be a business partner. Get it all together. I'm busy as shit. If you want to set that damn thing up and let me know, I'll help you market it. I would love to. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll get it together 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 for you. I would definitely be down for a jam like that, especially if it's all, you know, organic berries and all that good stuff. Yeah. Let's be healthy. Cranberry would be interesting, especially from New Jersey. Uh, A lot of cranberry bogs. Damn right. Um, Cam, tell us more about um, what it means to be a podcaster um, with Andy Strickland, how has that really helped you um, in your in retirement days? 
Well, I started with radio three years ago. I retired. I got job offers uh, a year into my radio show with four other people. They gave me my own show. So I started hosting my own show and just getting thrown in the fire. So I learned how to just like entertain and just like kill, you know, time with even if there's nothing to talk about, like uh, today, I had my radio show today. We're talking about just you just have to be creative. But the podcasts are different. You know, if I'm talking to Ryan Whitney or Biz, I'm like, what's up, motherfucker, blah, 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 blah. But if I, we had Eric Lindros on today, and he's very kind of standoffish a little bit, he's very protective, so I have to be a little bit more just kind of normal-ish. So it's just tough. And and I I wasn't very good at asking questions off the bat, but I'm getting a little bit better now. I didn't know if I should just be myself. And so it's just it, it was a learning curve, man. So we're like 30 in now, 30 pods in. And I'm feeling pretty comfortable with no matter who's on, whether it's an ex-teammate or a Hall of Famer that we don't know. Uh, I'm just going to be myself and just be confident, dude. And if your questions suck, that, make I was going to say, are there any other upcoming like players that are and coaches, New Jersey Devils? Would you have on? Because I know you always have a good reputation with Blues guys, and you just had Adam Oates. Would I have any Devils guys on? Well, fuck yeah. Of course. I just had Marty on. Wow. I, had Go- I just oh, had, nice. Scotty oh, nice. I had Scotty Gomez on. Um, uh, who the fuck else? Uh, da, 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 da. Um, I, you know, who else can I get? Who else would you want I to would, hear from? I would definitely like to hear from Patrick Eliash. I know he's in Czechia, but. I know. I knew you'd say that. Yeah, now that he's like working for the team, I believe, too. So it's tough. Look, you got it. Look, it's not just Andy and I don't just say, oh, let's get him. No, we strategically coordinate who the fuck we want on because you can't have two Eric Lindrosses in a, in a row, meaning you have to have a guy that's outgoing and then a guy that's reserved and because he's a Hall of Famer. And then you have this like there's a there's a strategy to the whole thing for me and for him. And uh, so, you know. We, we can get anybody on, man. He's he's the one that gets these cats on. Unless I play with the guy or something, he's the guy that has all the numbers and does his thing. And anytime he texts somebody, they're like, "Yeah, I'll come on and with you guys." What do you, what do you think of um, nice, nice. Bryce Salvador being uh, the guy on MSG doing the analyzing? Would you ever do a bit like that if you ever got a, a little thing like that in St. Louis or in New Jersey? I do, man. I already have that in St. Louis. Yeah, I'm on TV all the time in St. Louis. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had to do the whole Stanley Cup playoffs last year, man. I remember one time I'm doing it with, like, the big boys of St. Louis, like the big uh, TV guys of St. Louis that I'm friends with, you know. And I remember going after one of the games in St. Louis, and there was a delay. And you're supposed to just stare right at the camera. But I'm, like, looking at the crowd and saying – everybody's, like, saying hi. I'm like, <laughs> it, was, it was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. But, you know, they just throw you in the mix, man. I did all the – I was in uh, game seven – uh, doing TV uh, for after the game seven when we won the cup, man. So I, I was lucky enough to be involved in all this throughout the whole playoffs. That's cool. That's cool. And, and, and with having, with Marty, having on, Marty on, did he see, did he see any, similarities any similarities between the St. Louis shot that he had, had in the one right uh, now? I think it was completely right different. Like he just did the, the St. Louis stuff, man, to learn like the ropes on like business side. Like he's been a player the whole time. Like, yeah, he'd had some big meetings with some of the higher ups, but like he sat next to Doug Armstrong for how many years? three or four years or whatever it was. And you just learn the ropes, learn how to communicate, see, watch talent, do this. But now what he's doing is more of like a, like a media side where he's like the, you know, he's going to go to a big conference and talk about this. How are we going to market this? How are we going to do that? Giving speeches, things like that. 
Um, but he could do anything he wants, man. Now he's versed in well versed in both categories, the media side and then the hockey part too. So it's like fuck that guy could do anything he wants. Yes, yes. And speaking, and speaking of, Salvador, of Salvador, the way he, the way he analyzes, analyzes the game so, so well on TV, well on TV same with Scott, Scott Stevens, Stevens, you know, two guys two you, guys played, you with. played with. You know, you, you know, see you them, see them being co- become, become coaches, coaches anytime. Well, Scotty already tried that, dude. He coached me going to the Santa Cup Finals, man, in 2012. I think it's just a lot yeah, of travel. Yeah. Those guys made – like, Scotty made a ton of money. He didn't have to do anything. All he could do is – if he wants to just go hunt the rest of his life, that he could do that. But I think he's a little bit bored. But there's a difference between being bored and doing a little bit of media stuff and being bored and going and being a coach where you're traveling 24-7, shit, da 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 I guess it's, it's a big fucking commitment, man. And I think he just doesn't – he's great at it. He was awesome. I just – man, that's just a lot of time away from your family. You dude. talk about commitments and all these things. Uh, when the when you were with the Devils in 2013 – when the transition from what did you notice between both owners? I don't know, man. I don't remember. Dude, my I was doing so many different things. I, I, I didn't even think about it, to be honest with you. Lou, look, Lou kept us – it didn't matter who the owner was. Our, we, were, we were treated first class and professional every second of every day. So the ownership – and Lou might have had some whatever with whatever, but it didn't trickle down to the players. So we had, I, for me at least, not even trying to know what was going on with the hierarchy. I didn't give a shit because everything we were doing under Lou was fucking the right thing. Yes, catch absolutely. My drift. Um, can, can you tell us it's about one way. Um, the philosophy of Lou Lamorello all the way to uh, Ray Shiro um, that, that you dealt with uh, – as a, as a player, I didn't know Ray Shiro, dude. I didn't know Ray Shiro that much. I know, you know, I didn't have to deal with him one on one or anything like that. I know Lou. I know Doug Armstrong. I know Larry Plo. But other than that, like, you know, I I, I don't I I haven't come across Ray Shiro. Like I, he never dealt with me. I never played for him. Um, so I I, did, I just don't know. I know he's a smart man. He's a smart hockey man. But I don't know him personally. So if you want to ask me about Lou or Dougie Armstrong, I'll let you know because I know those guys especially. I know Lou more than probably anybody because I studied that man every single day, big time. And I love it. Since, uh, uh, speaking of, speaking Doug, of Armstrong, Doug Armstrong, um, uh, Alex, Petrangelo, Alex Petrangelo, free agent, free agent this, summer, this summer. When 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 the when season comes. comes uh, what's, uh, the, what's plans the plans to, to try to keep, try him, to keep him around? Are, they're going to keep him <laughs> around, dude. <laughs> Yeah, this, yeah, are you yeah. kidding me? Are you kidding? We went on one with Stanley Cup without Petro. Petro logs 25 a night, does everything, blocks shots, passes, spins off a guy's backhand sauce pass for break. He does everything, and he's a freaking warrior. He ain't going anywhere. Now, anything could happen, but if he wants a statue in front of Enterprise Center, he's staying here and just retiring as a blue. He is a legend in this town. And he's a man now. And even Jamie Benn tried to pick on him a couple of years ago before he won. Now Jamie Benn, and I love Jamie Benn, by the way, tries to chirp Petro. And this is funny because you see these interactions when you have to dissect these guys every single day. Now Petro's looking at Jamie like, you're washed up. And there's nothing. What are you going to How are you going to chirp Alex McCangelo now on the ice? Like, he's a freaking warrior winner and a, a huge deal on it. why the, uh, the boys won the cup that year, man. So they're going to try to sign him as much as possible, dude. That's a, but you have to be smart, too. 
and you, you know, if there's a little bit less term or whatever the case is, you still have to be a businessman and be smart. But if you want to win a Stanley Cup again, that guy's got to be on your team. And so tell us the philosophical differences and similarities between Lamorello and Doug Armstrong that, um, that you noticed over the time, over the different times of your playing career. Now I, I know Doug more now than I did when I played, you know, he was only there, but Doug, takes a lot out of, I think, what Lou does as well, as far as dealing with the media, as far as being tight-knit, taking care of the guys, making sure everything's professional, this, that, and the other. You know, he doesn't like when the assistant coaches can't come on and do stuff like that. He's very he's very protective, and, and that's the biggest thing, I think, that Doug has with the Blues, as Lou did with anybody that he's in charge of. Um, so those are the big things. The right decision, not overpaying unless it's a necessity, you know, at the right time. Um, you know, just, just being smart, being a smart businessman, being a smart hockey businessman that's in control of a, a lot of different things. And um, I, I, I'm telling you, I think Doug looks at Lou and probably dissected a lot of things he's done over the years and, and uh, took a page out of it, man. And the Devils, like, with their prospects that they have in the pipelines. And if you did, and you know a few players – on each side, who who do you like the most? You never know, dude. Shit, man, you never know. Like, there's a couple of demon coming up. Uh, Nico Mikola is going to be good. He's six six, can move the puck. Nothing sexy, but just going to be good. He's going to make the team. Um, Clem Costin is going to be pretty good, hopefully. Uh, Jordan Kyrie's been up and down. He's going to be okay. As far as the Devils, I don't know. I'm a look, dude. I gotta fucking think about everybody in the in, in this whole franchise. It's tough to dig around the rest of the league, um, but I do pay attention because it's my heart still over there. Um, but as far as the, the prospects of the Devils, I, I, I really don't know. It's tough keeping track of the fucking prospects it, in St. It, Louis. It always seems that they're trying to let some players stay in their league, like uh, Costin does, but not trying to rush them. Um, what would you do if you had to be GM for a day in St. Louis? Keep everything the same until it's necessary to bring them up. Like, why the hell are you forcing that issue, dude? Whose spots he going to take? Nah, seriously, whose spots he going to take? Nobody. That's, that's there's why they, nobody. There's nobody. Hours, just in case they're going to go long in the because they didn't trust Costin to be up in the mix throughout the playoffs. Man, you need a warrior that knows what how to win. Like that's been through this. That's why they didn't do it. They don't need to rush him. They're fucking loaded, dude. They don't need. They're not. They're not Ottawa, you know. Like they don't need to do shit. They have a really good really team, good up, team and down. up and down, and and like you and said, like you said, they know they when know to bring when guys to bring up. Guys they know up, how, they know to, how develop to develop guys, guys and, and they have they certain, certain guys, in the, guys role, in the role, and they know how to play that role. And speaking of a guy that was guy that was in that role last year, Alexander Steen, told to get a lesser role, adapted to it, and. And the rest is oh, history. Yeah, history. That guy's a warrior, dude. He's got it in his blood. He did some good things, dude. He could have bitched and moaned, and he didn't do it. He blocked shots, and he played seven minutes one night, 15 the other night, seven minutes one night, 15. And he just did his thing, dude. And and, and everybody was on the same page. That's why you win. So everybody else that's, that, that watched the playoffs last year, all you players on other teams, take notes. All you older vets that need to do that same thing where you're playing on the fourth line, third line and just adapting that you've never, you've always been a goal scorer and you're making a lot of money, but you have to swallow your pride. Fucking do it. That's how you win. 
Ovechkin, Ovechkin figured, figured that out. That out. Yeah, right. I think the I think kids, the in, kids Toronto in Toronto have to figure, have to figure that out. Yeah, they do, man. I root for Toronto, man. I do a lot of stuff on TSN and um and 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 some networks up there and stuff like that. And those those fans deserve it, dude. They 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 need to see they need <clears> to see something, man. And uh, especially the the biggest market in in in, in hockey. Um, but again, they just they got to figure it out. They got to figure it out. They got the talent. We'll see what happens with it. But you need to have warriors on that team, dude. You need you need guys blocking fucking shots with your face and just gathering up the morale and fucking good in the locker room. Like it takes so much, man. It's a fucking army, dude. It is. Top and, to bottom. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard and you, I've heard you up on TSN with, with your boy Carlo Koliakovo. I supported, I supported him, him and his son and his during everything, everything with the Drager Cafe t-shirt. Carlo's such a good guy to listen to. I love listening to you on TSN. Yeah, they're great, dude. I play with Carlo. He's a nerd, but I love him. So he's a... He is such a hockey nerd. He's in everything. Like, he knows a little bit about everything with sports, man. Like so, I'm like, don't even ask me about basketball, please. <laughs> Carlos, don't fucking embarrass me. Don't ask me about basketball. <laughs> you shit, man. No, those men. So, Cam, do you, yeah, do you yeah. have any like you know read up like upcoming players that you haven't really known when it comes for your um, your podcast that you have Strickland? Is there who, who's next on the podcast? Is that what you're asking? Well, you're kind of breaking up there. Is that what you're saying? Uh, do you have like, uh, like a read up visual if you don't? Oh, fucking A. Well, yeah. Do, do I have to read up on the guys I don't know? You fucking A. Do I have to read up on guys I do know? You're damn right. Yeah, man. I got to do my homework on everything. I have my notes down, figure out what direction, how to ask hard questions like to Eric Lindros. Why the hell did you not go to Quebec? And you, well, if you knew this, then that, why is that? Then why is this? With it, da, 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 da? Yeah, dude. Like, it's a fucking – dude, when I do a podcast, it's a four-hour ordeal. I got to get up. I got to take my shit down. I got to talk to Andy. I got to pregame things. I got to do the pre. I got to do the post. I got to do the cut. I got to do this. Then you got to do the interview. Then you got to rehash and figure out what you want out. Fuck yeah. It's a five, six-hour ordeal. All these people that want podcasts, man, it's fucking hardcore. It is. You guys probably know too. Definitely. definitely. Yeah, it yeah, is. It is. And we pay for a producer to take care of all the other <laughs> bullshit. That's a different. That's another different story. I know. Costs a yeah, lot of money. Yeah, do no, all the But they do all the grind shit that we don't. Yeah, know for do. us, like uh, the one thing that we learned how to do with someone else editing uh, was just basically audio, basically thrown on into like Instagram, like. We had two of them about the 1980 Miracle on Ice. If you, you can be the, our Instagrams, uh, I'm at Joe of Jersey on uh, Instagram, so you can see those two that I put up uh, last episode. Give you an idea from Podblade.com. No, I'm gonna check that all out, man. Look, I learn I learn new shit every single day with either radio with either podcasts, with social media. Like, I'm adapting every single day, man. I just started all this three years ago, basically. Got my own show now. Got my own podcast. Very successful. Dealing with different sponsors. Dealing with content. Dealing with knowing what to say. Being edgy. You know, telling stories that I got to kind of watch what I'm doing. But you're still entertaining. Like, it's a, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. It's a lot, dude. It's definitely, it's definitely a lot. A lot. Um, um, just to wrap, just it, to up. wrap it up. Your gut your feeling, gut feeling on the NHL season, season, and I know fans will want to know about that. Is it coming is it back? Coming back? Oh, no, no. Look, it might come back. 
but there's not going to be any fans. Think about that for a second. When, how the, know, how can I you know. possibly think in two months everybody's going to be like, oh, let's get 20,000 people together now? Ain't happening, dude. And ain't going to happen for a long time. And another thing, I don't mean to be depressing, they're still going to be on TV. I think that they're going to play games and stuff like that. You're just not going to go see them live. You're not going to be able to have 20,000 people all come together in the next, I don't know, man, probably long time, to be honest with you, because no one knows what's going on, and you're not going to know when it's over. That's the thing. So you can't, you're ne- no one's going to make that decision to be like, oh, we're good. 20,000 people, go ahead, stand right next to each other. That's not going to happen for a while, but sports will do you happen think sooner the ca- rather than later. Do you think the cap that's good, that's good to know. Go slightly up or go a little bit down? <sighs> Everything's fucked now, dude. It just, I just don't know. Like it just, it's you're starting from scratch now and rehashing every decision that you've made for the last couple of years. Now it's completely whacked. So they're gonna have to sit back and it, figure that out, it, big time. Definitely, you know? definitely. Yeah, it's so yeah, crazy, it's so such crazy, a crazy, such a crazy time. time. Yeah, it is, man. You guys, yeah, that's why, you guys why we're social distancing. <laughs> we we bet absolutely, we've been absolutely. Doing it via anchor because in a studio. <laughs> Oh, I can't do it, man. Those mics are fucking contaminated. Gotta stay away from the studio mics, man. That's for damn sure. I heard you. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Can't say. Even after all this, I'm still not hand Andy. Oh fuck no! He's got three kids. I'm. They're, they're the ones. Like I, I'm not shaking anybody's. I'm bowing to people. I, I, I don't give a fuck. I'm bo- You're getting. I'm bowing <laughs> like I'm. Like, you know, like I'm a sensei or something. I'm I don't give a shit. I'm the. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna bow like I'm some fucking like I'm meditating to people or what? I don't, like I'm some like religious. I, I don't give a fuck what it is. I'm not touching it. <laughs> That's it. Things are changing, man. This is what it is. Yeah, there's yeah, so many yeah. awesome memories going in. Uh, I remember you one time uh, out after you were signing pucks for people after a practice in 2012. I remember you were chirping Eric Bolton in his car, and Marty was in his little Chrysler be- when he was getting his new four door uh, car that day. And per- and Parise got a little <laughs> scared too. They drove off a little bit. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. No, we had a good. That was a fun year, man. That was a blast. We had a, we had a, we had a good time. And then um, you know you just you'll have friends forever. When you're a good team, you're all pretty close, man. You, you can't go that far without having do, a tight knit. Do team. you still talk to this day to Parise, Langenbrunner, or any of those guys? Yeah, I see those guys once in a while. I haven't talked to Zach in a while, but uh, I, I keep in touch with a lot of people. Now that I'm doing the podcast, you rehash with a lot of new guys, too. So And alumni events and shit like that. And I do fantasy camps around North America. So I see a bunch of guys I haven't seen in a long time. It's fun. That's good. That's good. Um, how's um, uh, how's uh, Bo- He's good, man. Doing? Look, he's got eighty That's million good. in his That's back good. pocket. He doesn't have to play another fucking game in his life. He doesn't have to work another day in his life. As long as his heart's okay, that guy's going to live the life for, for the rest of his life. He can do whatever he wants. His kids will be fine. His kids' kids will be fine. So he's going to be okay as long as like the heart situation. I, I think it was just. I, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, as you guys know. But as far as everything else, like he made money. He's got a healthy family, and if he's healthy, he's that's good, good to go. because we were we were absolutely that's good. shocked that's to hear about that because you know because oh, it happened to Rich Peverly the other season, and it, it's it's scary. I mean, yeah, got to drink your electrolytes. 
Yeah, I don't even know. I, I don't know what the fuck it was, man. Like I, again, I, no one even knows. That guy's like that guy's like the healthiest guy in the world. So I had nothing to do with that. It just he just it just his heart. It was just like that. Some shit just happens, dude. Could be hereditary. Could mean that guy. That guy's like climbing mountains and shit, dude. He's fucking healthy as and, fuck. That's and, what makes and it what scary. What do you expect? Definitely. Uh, if if the season fully can. You expect to do, you know, going forward to the next season, especially with the. Oh fuck! I I I think you could have a draft without having that many people there. I think you'd have an NFL draft too. I I, I don't, dude. I don't know. I'm worried about like no, no, what I'm going to do. What I am personally going to do, I'm going to keep doing podcasts, and I'm going to talk about something funny that happened that day on my radio show. And then I'm just going to keep doing and staying away from people and trying to stay healthy and keep building the brand and putting out content so I could have a job, keep going through, even if it's <laughs> the fucking end of the world, I'm still entertaining people, you know? Exactly. Exactly. I think we all I have, think to, we do all have to do that. I think that. we all I think have, we to, all stay have positive, to stay positive, have fun, have fun. you know, keep yeah, having, keep having good guests on our podcast, on our podcast help each help other out. You, out just keep right on, Everything from exciting to hilarious. I I always listen to you on Spotify and have like a good story every time, whether it's Scott Gomez or freaking Adam Oates. Even when I'm cutting grass, I'm listening and I'm like, this is awesome. I actually send it to Jim just so he gets an idea. I've been through a lot, man. I kind of, you know, I just, nothing came easy. I've been through a lot. I partied hard. I lived a life like a fucking like a rock star, even though I, you know, I'm a fourth line guy, but I got to play in my hometown. Like I just got a lot of shit, dude. I was wild, man. I was wild. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. And and just just thank you so thank much, you so for, much coming for coming on, on and, and just and answering, just my, answering tweet my tweet on the on Twitter, the Twitter and, the and the messages and everything and just getting, and just getting us on. We think it's so been, much been a long time. And and it works. Hey, man, I get to grind, guys. Keep keep it up, man. Keep doing your shit. And uh, anytime, guys. So take care. Be safe. And uh, All right. see you on Twitter. Kim Jansen, twenty five on All right. Twitter. Right. He's there. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank Have you. a good Have day. A good